0: So I'm just going to start with just a brief intro as to what we're doing here. So Danny Ray Johnson has been doing iris consults, looking at birth order as well as family trees, and then more recently cycles and seasons, looking at uh, nature and uh, times and how different times of the day and throughout the year. Us on many many levels. So, I, as many of you know, I've been using the system for the iris study, so the uh, rayed iris analysis. But, and I've been doing that for about a dozen years. And then, what it was, it in February, I contacted Denny just to talk about his work, and um, we decided to elaborate so it's been quite a, a, an exciting time um, and I'm learning so much more so what I was doing was really maybe 10% of what's possible with the iris and with understanding ourselves both at a physical biochemical level you know an understanding of how we think how we move and even how we breathe and then really what our soul challenges are um, so I'm going to hand it off very shortly to Denny. He's gonna introduce himself further and we have oh a PowerPoint planned and all sorts of things. So we're kind of um, launching our collaboration with this workshop. Thank you everybody. So let me uh, turn it over to Denny. There we go.
1: Hello everyone. Greetings. I don't really know how many of you I've actually met Um, but just so you know this is being recorded and it will be dropped into multiple locations in the world where your contribution is welcome. If you have a question or an understanding please go ahead and contribute. And um, I'm going to start this by those of you who don't know me, I'm going to give you some very brief background. Um, I mostly got really into the iris uh, in the early 1980s, where I was invited to be an assistant on a research group out of Stockholm, Sweden, where it was a group of doctors who were investigating um, why some children were severely deformed and was there a correlation between the uh, constitution of the iris that I was interested in and any way we could use the iris to understand the reason why the second child would have a deformity but not the fourth child or the first child, and so on so um, that went on for about three years, and we were involved in some of the uh, early work relative to in a science called epigenetics, and that is the um, reasons why emotions are crystallized and brought into the family tree. So the long story short of it is I got really deeply personally involved in this research project. Hello. Hi. 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 Thanks for coming by. So um, that got me started in um, drawing uh, wall maps of irises for three, four, and even five generations to see if there was a link between the first, second, and third child and where that link might be. And long story short, it started to develop a uh, model of the iris in combination with the family tree constitution. Part of that um, research was also about, so what do you actually do when you have a severely deformed infant? Is there any theory about how you might be able to create some movement in the constitutional structure of the child's central nervous system and brain and by the way we did lots of experimentation with the approval and encouragement of their parents to where we learned how to make some constitutional and structural changes. the impact of that work so uh, deeply affected me that I really dedicated my work toward how to be able to support children in their development. And then a remarkable thing I realized is that um, children really live with their parents. And uh, my goodness, uh, you mean the perpetrators of the potential epigenetic damage, The the parents have to be with the child. So I started to look at um, male-female relationships and went into what is the iris constitution between opposite gender and same gender relationships. So lo and behold, there turned out to be something of a constitutional lineage of types of relationships And then like the epigenetic, finally 20 years later, epigenetics came through with yes, a stress emotion in a previous generation is coated into a protein crystal. And that protein crystal in a process called methylation, it comes down the family tree and tags along and joins into a specific birth order position in the family tree where sometimes a third child will get a particular protein crystallization from the grandmother while another child gets the same crystallization from a different ancestor until pretty soon, well, you have the iris. So my way of looking at the iris is a long-term genetic map and how all of this fits together. So today is really a introductory overview about what this is really about. And um, I'm going to fast forward some of this because I would like to save you the frustration of the, you know, 40 years of my uh, errors, in which there's many, and the mistakes I've made. I'd like to make it that you don't have to learn all the things I learned to get to where it really needs to be today. Because personally, I believe that what this has taught me is that Social family dynamics, they go on for generations and, oh, by the way, did I mention generations and generations, that unresolved emotional, social, personal, family, global conflict, they come down into us and they cause suffering, pain, and death, and, oh, did I mention that's aging, that most of us are in the process of dealing with unresolved emotional Memory inside of us, and we're trying our best to handle it, and sometimes we don't handle it so well. So we actually create more for the next generation. That one over there, we just stuff that one, so we hurt ourselves. Well, long story short, um, I would rather see a dynamic way where where we might be able to facilitate the circulation of these unresolved emotional opportunities so that future responses for future generations, we can at least change those. Now I'm still an advocate that even at, well, us older people in the room, that we can still structurally, emotionally change and grow. I'm still hopeful that this kind of work does help all future generations, but I'm now convinced that it can also help this generation as well. So the the end of this is going to be a an invitation for you to participate in several programs, be it locally or nationally or internationally, and those programs all begin to tell you more about it. And um, just so you know, um, I've stopped basically charging for anything that I do. Yes, I still charge fees at times depending on where i am and what i do but virtually all of my work i make no criteria especially in learning that you need to pay me something in order to come learn something that is genuinely beneficial for you your family our world so you are welcome to learn without paying anything but along the way if you find out that hey you know that stuff from the old crazy guy actually worked, then you might say, hey, you know, we want to support the development of this work worldwide, and any contributions like that, they will go into the development of of this work worldwide. Now, I've been traveling worldwide, my goodness, uh, well, since the late 60s, that dates me right there. When that's back when airline traveling used to be fun, No, it stopped being fun by 2001 if you didn't find out. And that air travel is downright difficult and it's like going through a gauntlet to go anywhere in the airport now. So I'm really glad that the internet has made this much easier for me to be able to do this. So that's the overview of what this is about. The iris, yes. Birth order, yes. Family tree, yes. And then the most important part is what can you actually do where you are to have the maximum opportunity for your own personal well-being. Along the way, if you have the persistence to want to learn something more personally that requires some hours, yes, I'm here. We'll have Zoom classes on just the Iris. I estimate that would probably take us a minimum of five hours to get through the basics of it and we can break that up. So if it's your personal interest to learn IRIS for your own application in your own professional or personal life, it's available. Now, I wouldn't do the IRIS at all without combining it with family tree and the birth order. For example, you can have any constitution of IRIS and be a number one girl, and oh, by the way, if you're a number one girl of your father biologically, then the likelihood is pretty strong that you have a genetic orientation to your father's family, and especially your father's mother, and I hope you like her. Because if you're a number one girl, you're gonna be connected to your father's mother, whether you like her or not, and how she felt about her parents is gonna be affecting your life. Does this seem fair that everywhere you go, you're gonna have to be dealing with somebody else's unresolved emotional content, From your entire family tree in some form or another, and if you're a number two girl, which means you have an older sister, well then you know you don't like being controlled by anyone, especially your older sister, and you find out that your epigenetic line is from your mother's side of the family, and you'll find out if you had six sisters in a row, we can tell you which great-grandmother they got their epigenetic influence from. That's kind of fun. So you can get information about this through the iris and the birth order. So if you want to learn both of those in combination, be glad to offer it to you. Please take anything that you see here. It's yours to use any way you want. Duplicate it, share it, sell it if you want. Anything you do from here on out is yours. So whatever you do is yours. Fair you I want to write a book about it, I'll help you. Go ahead and go sell it. Because the ultimate benefits of this work are really what I'm about. So take anything you see here, and if that's not clear, then get better information, ask me more, and take that too. And oh, by the way, you're going to have a whole bunch of graphics. By that, there are charts, there's books, there's other things. There is an IRIS book available online, it's available on RAID, R A Y I D. Dot com, and that's called you know, What the Eye Reveals. There's book one and book two. The larger book two is available at Red. It is downloadable for free. If you feel like you want to chip in ten dollars or something, you can do that too. No requests, no demand is ever made on you. And there's also another book, which I consider to be a treasure, that is the birth order book where that's downloadable as well. So you'll be able to read about your children and your own relationship to your family, which gender position you're in. And I would suggest you get the, the gender position or birth order of your mother and your father, and you're gonna learn more about your mother and father than you ever thought possible. know, by the way, I'm sorry about this, but your family is going to kill you. It is the hardest thing you'll ever deal with Ever is your family. Sorry. And they will kill you, literally, because eventually you're going to die from unresolved epigenetic issues, triggering a heart attack, a stroke, a cancer, and that's all going to be into to your entire family. So I'm sorry, but your family will kill you. Or you'll die later if you manage to be able to process some of this. So eventually what we're finding out is you have the opportunity to leave an unusual endowment for your children, great-grandchildren who have not yet even been conceived, you can begin modifying how you are, how you feel, adding in treasures and leaving treasures epigenetically. Not only things there are stressful. You can actually have a happy time, and that's going to be coded somewhere too because all memories are kept. So there you have it, you have an overview of what's available. And I've made the commitment to be here for a period of time yet unknown. (laughs) Right now it's beginning to look like longer than I might've thought. It's kind of emotional for me to be here because I've really never spent any time in the Northeast. I, I live in Washington State and Alaska and places far, far away from other places in reality. But then I find out just a few years ago that my entire family tree started just a few hundred miles from here and they came in on some boat, you know, that landed over there east of here and they came in and they did their thing. And my goodness, if you read the history of my family, I'm hurt, ashamed. Well, my family were slave owners, and it goes back to the 14th century, by the way, Sir so Francis Drake world. And they came straight out of Great Britain and they came out with the first colonists. And, and by the way, they brought in and they, they went down to the South. And all eight of my great-grandparents are from the South. Sorry, didn't like going there either. <laughs> Very difficult, emotional for me to be in the South. I didn't realize any of this until just a few years ago when the whole genealogical thing came. So it's not easy for me to be in the Northeast because I'm sensitive to what I feel. And I feel it's important for me to learn how to feel all of this, my family tree, and do the same thing I would suggest to you. So that's why I'm here. And we'll see how long this lasts. But while I'm here, I am available to do personal consultations one-on-one, and you probably better be prepared for some unusual information. Um, we can get thorough, and we can talk about how that's affecting you, and you can bring in your kids if you, hopefully they're not over 30, No know.
2: <laughs> I, I would suggest
1: you bring in the younger ones. I'm always willing to see the younger ones, I only say nice things to them. And then I ask them to go to the waiting room and then I tell mom or dad all about the things that are in there that they caused or (laughs) however that worked. So, and then what you might do, Mm -hmm. what might you do? So how do you actually treat a number one son? Let's just do that one. So some of you have a number one son, meaning he is the first, son of his father and as you know the gender sequence follows the father. So if he has a bullet or two somewhere else and conceive children somewhere else they're counting in the order whether you know it or not. Now scientifically approximately 20% of all children that people do the DNA tests with are not from the father that they thought they had. So there's a little disparity in there. But if it's true, your number one son was his father's first son, then mom, come on. There's no other sweet young man who will ever touch your heart like your number one son. You know why? He's got 50% of your gene code, and he knows right how to get in there, and your husband's not genetically related to you, except your hand, so you're not even genetically related to your husband, but your son just knows how to get right in there, open your heart, touch you in ways, or cut you so deeply that you won't be able to recover easily, because they can hurt you like no other man can hurt you. Now you know full well, if you have a number one son, he's not like his father. I mean, literally the DNA comes in a way, lays down whatever the father is, the first son is an opposite, which means he's typically from his mother's family and his mother's father. Now for some of you, that's good news, but if you didn't have a good relationship with your own father, he's back to visit you again because whatever difficulty you had with your father is gonna be mirrored down in some way in your relationship to your son, and yada yada, here comes family tree. But typically that number one son likes his mom, prefers his mom, and he has a unspoken mission in life that he doesn't comprehend. He's there to be his father's teacher, not his father's son. Now that's a very simple thing, meaning, if I'm a father and I have a number one son and I know this, I learn to listen to him, ask his advice. And we have a very different relationship. If I come into my number one son and he's three years old and I say, son, I'm going to wear these pink socks or the green ones. Which ones do you think? The pink, daddy. You better wear those pink socks. Right? You wear, And then he now develops a relationship which he aspires to, which is to teach his father. He wants to guide his father, not be guided by him. But if I bring socks and say, son, change your socks. That, those socks, that boy will start shutting down and go silent and not talk to his father. And it could be 40 years before they have a conversation. So that is a nutshell. Now, what I'm offering is if you come in personally and you bring your number one son and he's young, we can have that conversation. Or if you have a number one son and he's older, 16 to 25, you can maybe let him come in. I would like to talk to him about what it means to be a number one son between 16 and 25. Not as easy to talk to them after 30 because it's talk hard to talk to anyone over 30, between 30 and 40, now Can't even talk to them again until they're about 45 and the world falls apart, then they'll listen again. but. These are just experiences I've had. So I'm here to help you with your family as much as possible, including your own parents if they're willing to come by and talk about the whole structure and then suggest some things that might work for facilitating the flow. Because this flow and circulation of feeling is the primary thing we have to work with. For example,
3: can I, can I ask a clarification, please, on the, uh, is that all right? Yes, when ma'am, say, it is. When you say number one son, but that's the that first son, the second child. Is that a number one son or is that a number two?
1: Yes, it is, but not exactly the same. And I'll explain and be quite useful to teach you how the birth order works, but number one girl and a boy behind it, number one girl is like the rock, but the number one boy behind the rock is like an emotionally sensitive, very emotional sensory addictive type child. So knowing how this works is helpful.
3: All right, so they're not the same. It's it's not the first son, it's the first son um, with nobody before them.
1: With no- right. So you can have three girls and a number one son, and that has a specific effect. Gotcha. So all those patterns, I'll show you how it works. And okay. then you can predict their emotional, physical behavior and what haps, happens to them. So I'm saying if you want the experience of it, I'm here to provide it a couple times a week on that level, but I'm also encouraging you to consider that there will be some things I suggest that you do that will help you in the long run. And the reason I brought up number one son is because there's a reason why he comes first. And there is also in the body, there is a sequence of systems. The number one system in the body is the breath or breathing system. Now the relationship of mother to her father for yourself affects the lung line or breathing line. So sometimes if we're going to help somebody with their metabolism, just so you know, breathing is the tip of the spear of all metabolism. So if there is a difficulty between your mother and her father, it's affecting your breathing line. Later on, that affects anxiety. Later on, that affects your sleep state. Later on, that affects your pineal and your scan. So I'm saying every single one of those relationships, like your mother to her father, is a circuit. Unfortunately, that circuit is a circuit that continuously moves until somebody changes it. It will not adjust itself. So a pain that you have, for example, with your father, it's a circuit. And you might think later in life, oh, we get along fine now, but there was a circuit set in place when you were under the age of eight, and you're transferring that to your children. So I'm saying if your father had a difficult relationship to his father, that's another circuit. That circuit, sooner or later, you're going to want to deal with, because all of these circuits, they affect your happiness, your health, your well-being. And oh, by the way, they're going to keep coming to you what do i mean by that i am saying that virtually every emotional encounter that you have is scripted by the dynamics already set up by your family tree now i know that's sometimes a challenging thing to grasp i'm saying my opinion that's all it is 100 percent of all of the difficult things coming at you physically, emotionally, and otherwise, are scripted by the unresolved emotions you carry around inside of you. One of the little examples I use is I write like my favorite Rubik's Cube. And to me, um, family trees are like a 12-sided Rubik's Cube. And all of the feelings of all of the three generations of family, they are coded inside you. Now, If there's one circuit inside you that is angry and unresolved that you've never met them, that angry unresolved emotion is like a time bomb and here comes somebody in traffic that t-bonds you or you trip and you fall, you break a bone or whatever, you start a, a cancer or you trigger a heart attack or These are not just from things that you eat. They're from unresolved emotional circuits somewhere in your family tree. Now, unfortunately, you're the only one who can change the circuits. Now, a very good practitioner of nutrition and health in the body, pharmaceutical, allopathic, naturopathic, I don't care who you use, but the people who use the right molecules from any source, natural, organic, or synthetic, and they use just the right molecules, they can help you resolve some of the symptoms of the buildup of one of those circuits. That's honorable, that's wise, that's useful. It keeps you alive until you actually resolve why it's there. So sooner or later, you need to look at why it's there. So in this work, we have a goal. The goal is to help you understand yourself and help you understand your family and how to be able to resolve that. So we'll give you lots of information about how that works. And then we're going to suggest what you might participate in, according to what I find that works better, is to be able to how to move these circuits, And you know, oh, by the way, we just did. So if I mentioned your mother's relationship to her father without you even knowing the man at all or not even remembering your mother we took you to a particular place in memory and we started to jiggle that thing and if we jiggle it well enough over a period of time you're going to have a the arrival of an emotional experience in actuality which means somebody may walk up and go oh by the way and they will trigger the exact emotions in that circuit or you're going to sleep at night and there is an emotional experience of something spontaneous that comes through, or something in the dream state, or you wake up at two in the morning and there's something that happens, you're processing these emotional circuits 24 hours a day. No, you don't stop at night. Sorry, you're processing most of your mother's family at night. Yes, you're processing the mother's family at night, and oh, by the way, I have, over the years, developed a certain affinity for mothers. Because it's just not fair. <laughs> Why? They're doing 80% of the work. Not just with their children, they're laying down the emotional tracks when that child is conceived right in the womb Mothers laying down biochemical tracks, emotional tracks. And there's things that happen with a mother that are so significant, it will not be altered by anything else except your relationship to your mother. Grown men on the battlefield, they cry for their mothers. Sports champions, when they, they win, they always thank their mothers. And we all know there's something about mothers, right? So I'd like to diagram the three mothers from the mother's side of the family and the three mothers from the father's side of the family and they are not the same. Why? Because the three grandmothers from the mother's side, they're so sweet. Really? I mean, they may not be sweet biologically, socially, (laughs) epigenetically, they can be nasty little witches, but they represent your capacity to feel your capacity to change, for empathy, for opening your heart, for feeling more, for metamorphosis, for changing you from a caterpillar into a butterfly. The three grandmothers on your mother's side, they represent your urine, sorry about this, your poop, your spleen, your kidney, there's a whole bunch of things, your skin. If you like your skin, thank one of your grandmothers, It was her job to give it to you. And all those little blotches and scars in just the right places, well, they came from her too. So I'm suggesting to you that each side of the family has very, very specific functions. Not to be unkind to the mothers on the father's side of the family, because you better know them very well. Why? They're keeping your lungs breathing. They're assimilating your food. They're regenerating your body. They're very, very important. They are very, very significant. And, oh, by the way, you cannot dominate them, you cannot corrupt them, you you cannot do do anything to them except cooperate with them. Now, that's not a good picture, because you know why? They have all of the old gene code, they hold it together, and they have one responsibility, duplicate it which means reproduce it, go find somebody that will reproduce this damage perfectly. (laughs) So they will have the ability to take your damage and replicate it into your body system. So like, for example, I have a scar from when I was 15 playing football and I don't recommend football for kids anymore, but that scar after 50 years or thereabouts, it's still there exactly. So that grandmother who is responsible for regenerating all of this still has the emotional memory of the damage and reproduces the scar. So if you have scarred emotional memories from your family tree, she has them and she's not going to give them up. If you're going to tell her like to let them, let them go, grandma, let them go. She goes, no, they're mine. (laughs) She's very, very, very powerful. She cannot be destroyed, and oh, by the way, even if you kill yourself, she still has them. What do I mean by that? Mm. That means your emotional memories, preserved by her, go with you when you leave. So when you drop your body, all those memories are going with you. Sorry. You thought maybe if you got off the train, you'd get off in a nice place and live there forever. You know, the train and the pain still so comes with you. That's what grandmothers do. Phew. Anybody out there say hello to their grandmother yet? So there are three women on the mother side. They do a lot of cleaning stuff. Oh, by the way, I suggest you get used to them because they're the best hope you have for the future because they represent the ability to have the future. Grandmothers on your father's side, they are solid little troopers, and they build your central nervous system and brain function, they heal your body or they maintain the destruction of your body. Now, one of the most difficult things that you'll all discover one way or the other is you really don't want to make your immune system mad. You know that, right? If you make your immune system mad, it's 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 on a mission. The immune system is going to distribute to your physical body, the results of all the emotions you have. I'll come back to that. Every single emotion that you're going to have, there is a specific great grandmother who is designed to feed it back to the specific location in your body that corresponds to exactly that emotion. That means if you have a specific emotion that affects the knuckle on the little finger on the left hand, she knows exactly what feeling that is, that's different than the knee, different than the toe, different from the ear, different from the eye. And she's going to be doing exactly what you tell her to do. Which means if you're angry at somebody else, she goes, oh, you want to be angry at that particular place in your gallbladder liver, oh, Should we go to the ovary this time? Oh, no, the knee, the toe. There is a grandmother on that side who is extremely powerful. And I would suggest you learn to make friends with her. Because she's very important, really. She's very, very powerful. All, by the way, all of them are, and don't get me wrong, the, the men have a purpose too. Sometimes I wonder But the reality is there are three grandfathers on the mother's side who are responsible for creating your future wow how important is that inspiration aspiration the ability to feel empathy understanding truth authenticity the ability to create free will these are all coordinated by the experiences of how you interface with the three grandfathers on your mother's side. Now I, I know this is theoretical for most of you, but it's not for me. And how they exactly relate to glands, organs, body systems, meridians, colors, sounds, chakras, planets, stars, they all correspond to everything else that you've ever thought about and or studied. Now I have some specific suggestions for how you might engage them. So that's where the programs we're offering will go. So I'll just pause here for a second. Some of you are either quiet or some of you are looking at me like, where'd you come from? I would go southern Washington, the middle of the Columbia River where I used to live on a nice island but there was nobody around but now I'm in Connecticut. How did I get here? (laughs) I didn't click my shoes or nothing. This is this is not Kansas. So do any of you on the Zoom, do you have a specific question that we might address? Any other comments?
3: Yeah. I have a question again. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was wondering if a child is resolving uh, their emotional issues, does that help resolve issues for the upline ancestors? Wouldn't
1: that be nice? If purely sweet, innocent, lovable children, and I don't know any child under the age of seven that's not sweet and lovable, uh, but no, um, if we had. Uh, the result of pure beautiful children being uploaded to the parents and grandparents we'd have a lot of very happy healthy 80 year olds and no so the question is uh, what is it that's actually shutting down the children and it's the presence of their parents and grandparents known or unknown to them and they uh, children come in at a uh, a specific capacity that is far greater than mine currently, I mean, they come out with a uh, level of the capacity to feel until the capacity to feel is sequentially shut down. And then somewhere around the age of seven, there is a kind of gate that closes and it does not open again until they agree to want to open it. So the answer to your question is no.
3: Um, so I'm, I don't actually mean, when I say child, I don't mean um, a young person necessarily.
0: If we do our own personal work, will it affect our children and our parents?
1: If we do our own personal work, does it affect our children? Yes, absolutely for any child under the age of eight. Now, by the way, that means any child yet conceived under the age of eight, which means your unconceived grandchildren will thank you dearly and your great-grandchildren will be preciously more beautiful because of the work you did. But if you have a nine-year-old child or eight and on, does your personal work automatically change them? No, because in order for them to be able to actually assimilate that, they need to engage the part of them that engages their free will. They have to want to give and receive with you. If there's a process of giving, receiving, and they're engaged in doing that with you, yes, they can slipstream with you, some easier than others, like for example, a mother and her number one son, if she's growing in some direction, he will slipstream past her in that direction. If you have a number two boy who's behind his first brother, he will slipstream with his father's father. So yes, our children can be very strongly influenced by the loving behavioral orientation of their parents and grandparents. But that's only if they choose to want to cooperate with that. They have their free will. You cannot violate their free will, though I think most parents try to many times. Eat this, do that, go there. Think this, sit there. Don't do that. Study this. Don't drive like that. By the way, none of that's going to work in the long run. It just builds up a form of resentment that will create difficulty for yourself and your children and your grandchildren. So can we influence our children? Definitely.
3: I guess I'm asking the reverse question. Yeah, so and and I,
0: I get what you're asking. And I actually do agree um, with you, Samantha, that you actually can have an effect. So if you personally make changes, um, it's going to change you know, that circuitry. It's going to change that dynamic within your family. So yes, mm-hmm. my personal work can have an effect. Um, on parents on my parents. Right. Yeah. So upline. Yeah. So it can go up line. Um, but again, it only to the extent that they're willing to move with you.
3: Right. But then like if if for example, like you said, number one daughter is very closely connected to the father's mother, then um, then what you're also um, you know if there is that bi-directional association and the person who's in body and working through things in a conscious manifesting way, then um, that uh, ancestor, the grandparent, the grandmother, for example, could um, gain value in her own, because you said it goes beyond the grave. So, you know, let's say she's already be, um, in uh, ethereal form. So I'm already thinking, Um, the work that the close connections are doing, they're probably soul connections as well as being genetic connections, but that that can also positively trigger their next incarnation, their next opportunity.
1: All I can do is just (laughs) give you my experience. That's always, I'm not saying that my experience is always right. Um, Okay. To the genuine sharing of love, the genuine sharing of love between any two people is Mm -hmm. truly developmental for both of those people and their generations under them. But Mm -hmm. in order for somebody in the past to be able to receive information, they have to be engaging their desire to want to receive it from you. Mm -hmm. And there would be ideally a circulation because you can't violate their will and say, I'm going to make my grandmother loving there has to be a choice on her behalf to want to engage that now there are some feelings that i would urge you to consider and we can go into this in greater detail there is a feeling that is most effective for touching the grandparents and that's going to be compassion my experience is compassion the genuine desire to feel them in their current state Mm -hmm. with a sincere desire to want to help them progress will be felt by them. Then they can make the decision to let your compassion touch them. They can utilize that compassion and your feelings, your, your thoughts, your words, your guidance, your prayers. But if they're resistant to that, there's nothing you can do. There has to be that willingness to open it. So I'm just giving you an overview of where I come from and again these are just my experiences. Uh, My suggestion is um, I'd like to give you some things or pieces of information you can take with you and you can try things out in any way that you want to. So um, what I think we'd like to do um, right now is to see if we can get the PowerPoint set up and we'll run through a series of pictures for you. So we'll take maybe a five-minute break right here, see if we can get the PowerPoint functioning and we'll come back to you, stretch, take a breath, or give some compassion to one of the grandparents that you thought you forgot. (laughs) We'll be back. All
0: right. Thank you, everybody. Well, just a couple-minute break. All right, here we go. Can I go? ask one qualifying question? Yes. Um, Barb and I are both twins. So as you're going through things, not with each other, but we <laughs> have twins. But so if there's ever any like Identical a, or fraternal? Fraternal. Fraternal. fraternal.
1: Well, I just have some coming up by the way.
0: Oh. In the slideshow yes. or in your
1: family? Oh. Right here. We're oh, going to cool. discuss twins.
0: So if, if, when you talk about like birth order,
1: you could. So much fun yeah. to do twins. Okay. <laughs> because one of them is going to be one of the birth orders and the other one is going to be the different one.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm wondering. So yes, like,
1: we'll have some fun doing with that. And
0: okay, cool, okay. We'll, like
1: for example, um, the two of you came in where first and second or behind somebody else?
0: Nope, we were really the only two.
1: So then uh, one of you is going to be like a number one girl. And the other one's going to be like a two girls. So it's
0: not necessarily who came out first.
1: Um, you're going to decide. Typically, it's who comes out first, but you'll okay. know who the one is that likes to have more of the control and does more of the daddy stuff. And you're going to have the one that's very privately oriented, more, you know, like don't violate your privacy. And she's a little bit more nonverbal. So you, you'll be able bring her in. She's living nearby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She would love this. Come on. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yours? Um, we
3: have older siblings. And then I was second. Okay, boy or girl? Girl. But from a first marriage.
1: His first marriage. Yeah, she
3: was from another marriage. And my mom, and, you know,
1: with my, my dad, so. Okay, so you have an older sister from, from your father.
3: From No, from another man. And then me and my sister, you know, from my father. So, so same you same and mother.
1: your your sister are one and two of your father. Right. So then then there was a girl in the house from your biological mother? Yes. Okay, it's a little challenging, but we can do it. Because there's gonna be a genetic number that one of you came in, number one girl, and the other one's number two. And you'll be able to see number one girl qualities and number two girl qualities. And and I'll be able to see that based on your body type and a few other things, and your insulin and (laughs) triglyceride resistant stuff that's yes sorry it's all there I love it. it's all there to be able <laughs> to so do me. it right but then you're going to be influenced by the presence of a biological older sister who lived in the house
2: yeah.
1: oh. she's a half sister living in the house yes. very cool I love this stuff too mm. so that's going to modify how the two of you you're genetically a one and two but then your biological sisters there so you have a little bit of two and three and then we'll be able to put all the pieces together. Okay, okay. All right. so we can do that. And then your kids underneath that, you have children? Yeah, I just have one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we shouldn't do that for all the number one sons. Are we ready to go? <laughs> okay, so what we're gonna do is race through some of just constitutions of the Irish. Now I thought it only, there that we we put this first right eye. I think it's a right eye. Oh, no, it's a left eye. It's a left iris of our sponsor here today. I just thought it would be nice if we put Dr. Randy's <laughs> eye up there first. So if there's any question who's responsible for all this, we can go in here and go. Oh my God, look at that. <laughs> so next, if you would, just I, I'm not going to tell them all, ah. Oh. So my attitude about looking at an iris is I'm, I'm looking at a cathedral of one soul. Just so you know that this is a long-term fingerprint. It does not change easily or at all for most people. So pretty much a, you know, it is there for the long-term. And this is what we look at. We look at the entire constitution of the eye and then we start looking at the what I call the individual sectors, the lower right, the middle, the top. I divide the iris now just into six pie-shaped wedges, and those will correspond to different ancestors in the family tree. Next. Oh, by the way, we have lots of these, and we just so happen to have, these are identical twins. And you can see how the constitution is similar But then you can also see that there are some constitutional differences. If you look at this spot right here, you have an individual brown spot in this position, but not in the top one. If you look in the top one, you have these two lines here, which are significant, but not in the bottom one. So even though they're identical, you'll be able to see where the individual sectors are. You can describe identical twins in a way that only they know is true. Next. Now, these are um, identical twins. You'll see the same structure, but these are (laughs) identical twins with different marks in the same position. If you look closely, the interior substructure of the iris is very similar, but the actual experience of these twins is very different. For example, this position, these two marks here, In this sector of the left eye, it is not in the sectors of the sister in the same eye. So this is how, if you will, the epigenetic influence that the one twin got is different than the epigenetic influence of the other twin. So even identical twins, there are pretty substantial differences at times. Then this, by the way, um, is just a closer look of the two, just so I brought it up to show you this sector here, this sector here in the the twin, very different. Next. Now these, these are fraternal twins, fraternal, and you see a different constitutional structure here and different positions. Now if you look closer in this structure, you see there's an Evenness of the vascular system and you see a differences in these individual positions. Some similarity here with this one here, but not exact. So these are fraternal twins with different triggers in their own epigenetic influence. I like looking at twins done many of them to help me understand what affects them. Next. Now uh, this happens to be the same child. This is uh, taken at 18 months. And this is the first time we were able to photograph the formation of the brown arriving in a child. And this is at age six, and this is at 18 months. Now, if you examine the individual openings in the iris and you examine the fiber in that specific location, not once in 40 years of doing this have we photographed a single fiber in the eye grow or move or leave. Not once. we photographed <laughs> infants right at birth who have the vascular system and it doesn't move. We've, we do not see specific brown dots in any child's eyes and they form, typically after the age of three, this was quite early at 18 months, and then they fill in by six, seven, and eight, and then they um, add just a few more sometimes at nine, 10, and 11. Only once out of tens of thousands of photographs have we photographed, specifically photographed, a single brown dot forming in an older person this once. We do have before and after photographs 30 to 40 years apart, with just tiny little speckles of increase of brown dots. So typically, the iris is a long-term epigenetic map. Now, um, what I do is start with the Constitution, generally of the eye, and by the way, I'm, I'm planning on teaching for those of you who want to learn, how to use it in your own practice, I'll take you through the easiest way to glance at an iris and I'll give you an example. Within um, 10 seconds of a glance, which is about all you really need, with a little practice, if you're on your way in to look at an iris and you, you, you're you looking at the a, a vision, which I'm not an expert at at all, but you notice the iris, it takes you five seconds, and you should know the constitutional structure, their personality patterns, their language of learning, auditory or visual. You should know so much in just a quick glance of who they are. And then if you can compare the left eye to the right, you start to see which eye has the greatest number of characteristics. You might notice that there's a brown spot here, but not as much over there you see the white clumping around the outside, you make a note of that, and then um, what's really gonna happen that I think is the most important part for a practitioner is that you're going to be able to build a specific rapport with that patient or client because you're gonna be able to relate to them as they actually are, and you're gonna be able to understand them without asking a lot of questions. Next. Now this is just giving you some constitutional uh, structures and the difference for it. You can see how you have the brown dots throughout. <clears throat> this is a particular sector at the top of the eye. You notice the difference between the left eye and the right because the left iris is primarily the, from the mother's side of the family and the right iris is primarily from the father's side of the family. And the old school used to be left brain, right brain, which to me, I'm still old school, so it actually does work. There is a masculine feminine polarity function between the right and the left eye. And I'll give you uh, a half a dozen ways to confirm this polarity function with the physical body and the body type and so on. And it's not that difficult to come away with information. Now, basically, these are what I call the four constitutional types. And it's fairly easy to see how, what I call the emotional content type. These open web types are very different than the brown dot types. Now, this is everything. What I mean by that is, Every relationship has a constitutional opposite, meaning one will have a tendency for more of an emotional display and the other one have a tendency for of a mental display. One is more analytical, the other one is more reactively feeling oriented. They might be introvert or extrovert or left brain or right brain, but there's always constitutional opposites. And later on, this has a long history of information because these four will have dominant glands, organs, and body systems. They'll have uh, dominant body types. They'll have a tendency to wake up early or wake up late. They'll have different seasons of the year where they're happy or not. So there's so much information for just getting the constitutional type clear. And then later on, if you want to learn individual positions, you find out that these uh, small areas of the vascular system, they have their influences, and you'll learn how to adjust your interpretations of these individual positions. Ah, there's so much information, it's almost staggering what's really there. And I would suggest it's nice to get the information, it's really better to go somewhere with it. And i am be glad to show you how it works. Next. And now, my. There's obviously no hope for this person. You know, you may think that's unkind, but if it's unkind, I'm just doing it to myself. So I'm being fair about this. These are my eyes. Yeah, if you really know anything about irises, then you know everything there is about my father's relationship and my (laughs) this.
2: You're really putting yourself
1: out there. By the way, uh, the soul's actually transparent. So eventually, whatever you have, it's fully on display, so you might as well get used to it next. (laughs) Now, this is the one sector of my iris, uh, about 35 years apart, and not photograph a single one of these fibers move, obviously no change in his life. And then I do see little tiny speckles form so I'm showing you that no no matter what therapy you use today, it's not going to change by tomorrow. They used to say every eye should be blue. If you do the right herbs, the right vitamins, the right combination, you know, you see the little white line. No, the eyes are not going to change next week, next month, next year. I do believe it's possible, but I've not been able to actually achieve the holy grail of change in the iris but I'd certainly like to be able to aspire to it in my life. But I'm just giving you the understanding that this is a long-term constitution. Now, uh, oh, speaking of parity of transparency, this is also Dr. R's uh, right eye. So you now know, oh, by the way, just so you get the feeling of it, this area right at the midline is right across the chest. Anything slightly above the midline is, well, slightly right into here. This is the easy way to use the eye. This is the upper half of the body. This is the lower half of the body. Things on the inside or the medial half, or the back half of the body, different side, never mind what all that means. So you can see individual positions. Good luck with this one. Don't want to go there too long. <laughs> Next. Now, um, now I'm going to guide you to this. Click on that screen. Let's do the start. Ah. Now, I'm going to show you how I actually feel about an iris. I mean this honestly. I've never really thought of the iris as in the head. I've always experienced it as the energetic field. Ah, thank you, I feel better already. This to me is what the iris is doing. It's basically circulating, ascending and descending circulation of life through you. This is what I'm, this is how I've always seen the iris as a corresponding picture of how your subtle body, your etheric field, whatever you want to call it, mind, body, whatever you want to call it. There's, every culture has a different name for what this really is, and it circulates. And the goal is, is to learn how to circulate it because you want to circulate it, okay? Thank you for doing that. And if you would move that forward, Okay, let's do this first. Um, This to me is a graphic of the last one inside the iris. There's a vascular system, which is taking obviously the arterial blood from the sclera into the pupil and back again. Into the pupil and back again. Now there's lots of controversy with the guys I know. How fast is that blood moving in the vascular system? Well, somewhere between two and eight times per minute, does the blood circulate in and out of this vascular system and back? So what you're looking at in the iris is a vascular system held together by different forms of fascia. They say primarily to constrict the pupil, but all that stuff on top is doing more than constricting the pupil. So I'm going to take you through this in the next one. And you know better than I do that there is also a another flow of the aqueous humor from behind the lens cascading out feeding the cornea and is reabsorbed on the boundary and it's doing this fluid motion inside of a fluid motion what do i mean by that the iris is a horizontal fluid motion the aqueous humor is another form of circulating invisible form For me, that corresponds to how I feel about an iris, the intersection of fluid dynamics, vascular, very physical, and the other, more invisible, corresponding to the ability for us to relate in the physical body to our etheric or spirit body. Lots of stuff racing here fast. It looks something like this, though I've never seen it exactly like this. I've had the opportunity to see it various times. It doesn't look exactly like this, but it is what's called a torus, and it's moving. That's how I look at an iris. So I'm thinking, okay, where does this have a rock in the road or a, a pothole, or where is the dynamics need to circulate? Where does this impairment of the circulation come from? Why is it there? What can it do? Next. Ah, so here's where I'm going to ask for just a moment of your forbearance while I vent my frustration and I hopefully you don't have to do this. I spent seven meticulously agonizing long years, and I mean long days, long days, diagramming each individual position of the iris from my clients, and this is what I came up about, these individual positions. After seven years, I had a singular epiphany, I won't tell you all the contents of it or about why, but I learned that all of those positions of the iris are doing one thing. Very cool. So, I decided that all the individual positions of who did what to whom, where, how, and which Land, organ, body system, meridian function, time of day, season of year, yoga posture, vitamin, mineral, flower, essence, aromatherapy, qigong. Did I mention I Ching? You all like I Ching symbols. You got all of them up there if you want. Or do the one thing. It's that easy. One more. We could go into sectors on this. What I mean is I divide the sectors into six different parts, but I'm going to do something different because I want to show you something else. So I'm gonna do this, turn the light on, and I'm going to take you over here, and I presume all of you can see this. Now what I did was, you want to do that? Yes. Thank you. I presume you can see this. I put up a very brief, staggered sequence of the constitutional types, the brown dot type, the somewhat brown dot type with a higher density of vascular system behind it, a highly vascularized interior, what I call a kinesthetic type, and then this softer, fluffy kinesthetic type and then the emotional type, and then the more emotional type. All I did was give you constitutional differences. Now, when you're looking at an iris, you can quickly be able to see the constitutional differences between this one and the one down there. It's not that hard. You can glance in a second. If it takes you longer than five seconds, you just need some practice. That's all it is. And my attitude is, if it takes you longer than five minutes to evaluate this, you need practice. Because the, the rest of the time, 55 minutes, you're gonna be educating them about something. So your evaluation's pretty quick. Now each one of these constitutional types which you can't see is the map on the wall, but you can, we be moving a little closer. This is a map of the family tree. Six grandparents from your mother's side, six grandparents from the father's side, They're linked into the central function of the body system, glands, organs, body systems, lessons, gifts, abilities, they're all there. Now, any one of these constitutional types can be from either side of the family. So I can't do a consultation or don't wanna do one just on the constitutional type because I know it's gonna be modified based on it is a number one girl, father's family, has a sequence of three primary lessons. Number two girl, same constitution, mother's family, mother's mother. So if, it's, if number four girl, ah, I, I have a specific map. If this were six girls in a row, they relate to six grandmothers, same constitution. So I don't do a consultation just with the iris, I can get the language of learning, auditory, visual, kinesthetic types, and and their styles and personality functions. But as far as really honing down into where they're at in various stages of their life, because we will rotate through the different grandmothers at different ages of our life. What I mean literally by that is, genes are calendar-based. At different ages, you will turn on different parts of the family tree. I mean, maybe you remember 16 to 25, 16 to 28, how you stayed up all night long, and you drank, and you, you never wanted to sleep again. You were immortal, and you just desperately had to kiss someone. Well, that's, that's hormones, and those hormones are being turned on by a specific part of the family. A little different when you're in your 30s, a little different when you're in your 40s, a little different in your 50s, yes, 60s. You're just turning on different parts of the family. So I'd like to give you that map, how to be able to assess the individual, add in their birth order, and then they give you symptoms. Oh, I broke my right leg. I'd like you to be able to track what part of the family tree each individual birth order pattern came from and then the body type associated with it. Let me see if I can grab you a chart. It's not right on top, so I'm not gonna dig around for it. You'll be able to go on to my website and find the downloadable charts for each individual uh, gland, organ, body system, emotion associated with it. I'm essentially saying that each one of the primary 12 glands, organs, and body systems is related to a different part of one's feelings, ancestry, birth order, and so on and so on. You can have that information, and remember, it's just something I put together. By the way, almost nothing that you see here is an editorial of anything else. I was not an iridologist when I started this. I didn't start with iridology and come to this. When I finally met a I actually didn't like any of them because that's probably true, I felt that way about most people. So iridologists were especially easy because when they said something about the iris, it was all about this gunk and terrible stuff and how bad your body is and this. When I first started this work, I wanted nothing to do with the body, nothing to do with relationships, nothing to do with personality. I was only interested in the attributes of the soul that needed to be actualized. So when they're talking about all of this stuff happening inside a person's body, I couldn't relate to it at all. So That's some background for, for you, for about me, is um, I'm not an editor of other systems. This is not editorialized from anywhere. I'll be glad to share with you more about how and why it got here. Um, but I want to move on. If we could go back to the How are we doing on timing? We have a half hour, how about that? Oh, this is um, one of the brief models that I work with. This is the, the, the power to control the life force coming through the bottom of the body is regulated primarily by these three grandmothers. So the grandmother number 1 which was the father's mother, the grandmother number 3 which is father's father's mother, the grandmother number 5 which is father's mother's mother, you don't need the map I'll give it to you. These three grandmothers they control all of the things from the past. These three grandfathers they actually create the future. The past by the way is very strong doesn't easily go away. It's not unconscious at all, it's very powerful. The ability to be able to circulate a new flow of life is simply coming from a choice made to feel something different. And the ability to be able to orient that to a particular place that you choose, exercising your free will, this sets in motion the likelihood of a new circuit That new circuit is something literally you have to build, no one will ever build it for you. And if you look at eggs and you look at birds, you never see an adult bird chipping away at the egg trying to get the chick out. They wait for the chick to come from the inside and the same thing is true for us. We have to develop willingly our own desire to hatch. And that is our personal responsibility. You can sit here whining and complaining as long as you want, but nobody else is gonna do it for you. That's my personal opinion. Next. Next part is, um, you saw how I felt about the iris being outside the body. I primarily work with three bodies. Physical body having a definitive need for biochemical support, nutrition, herbal medicine, touch, very, very, very important that we address the physical needs first. Somebody's bleeding, we don't give them a lecture. We address the physical needs. So if I can tell from the iris and the birth order combination that there is a likelihood of things causing them stress that could cause them difficulty, I'll send them off to somebody to get a very good nutritional assessment And I'll give them to somebody who's very good about giving them the correct molecules so that their body has an optimum opportunity to balance the the polarities of the physical body. The physical body is all about polarities, yin-yang polarity function. Just balance out the polarities and you're going to get symptom shifts quickly. The right molecules, you're going to get shift. Now, The spirit body function outside the body does not work with polarities. It works only with one thing. Like attracts like. Like cures like. It has a different function. So the spirit body or the subtle body is composed of the attraction to emotional experiences that exactly match exactly what you need to feel. So the spirit body is composed of that subtle field around you, and I would like to suggest to you that it has correspondences to every knuckle, meaning that every joint in the body, shoulder, elbow, wrist, all the knuckles, they correspond to specific locations in the spirit body, and by looking at the hands, face, and skin, you can more readily see what's arriving in the spirit body. What I mean by that is, all of us are attracting to us exactly the right thing through the spirit body that will trigger polarity differences in the physical body. So, not explaining that too much, I work with three bodies. The third body is the most important one because that's where the actual emotional memory is stored. So when you drop your physical body You'll be taking your spirit body with you, and all the things that you've ever experienced, thought of, or encountered, you're going to be taking them with you, including all of your analytical or emotional memories, but the actual emotional memories are going to be stored in the third body, which is where the soul function is. And if we want to make genuine changes into the etheric or physical body, we can do things in the physical body with polarity. We can do things in the spirit body vibrationally, but we really have to do things on the soul emotionally. And so how to engage the emotional experience into the spirit body is primarily the work that I dwell on. Next. Now this is a diagram I kind of put together. The power of the life force is not designed to hide her genitals. This is where the Life force comes from it comes from below and up, and inside the insteps of the feet, and on the acupuncture functions on each toe. The energy comes up the inside, down the outside, up the front, and down the back. You get that up the front, and down the back, up, down. So, this is what it looks like for me there's a circulation of yin and yang, red and blue, circulating all the time and these black spots are essentially a long-term cause-effect orientation that somebody else put there, which means that somebody in your family tree set you up with an epigenetic influence, and then you have something that's arriving right now, that's the thing that's gonna hit you today. How are you gonna handle that emotional trigger? This is a relationship where Two people get together because they share simultaneous etheric law of attraction similarities. And so they start out with like, nah, they're very kindred, very, yes, 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 Mm yes. Oh. Then they start to trigger all the things that you are actually hiding and then it doesn't work that way anymore. So I'd like to show you how this circuitry works. So people start out with The ascending information, ascending, and then it gets into the hair of the woman. Hair of the woman. Some of you have heard, if you have a biblical background at all, sorry about that. Long hair is the glory of a woman. Or, behind every successful front there is a back. Or, behind any successful man there is a woman. So I have my masculine in my front, and I have my feminine in the back. If I expect to have any success in my masculinity, I better be nice to the femininity behind me. So thus, the input is masculine. The long-term experience is feminine. Okay, let me say it again another way. Be nice to your mother yes i'm sorry she's going to be with you the rest of your life and no you're not done you won't be done because eventually it leads on to a higher and higher form of what that really represents until you would consider the possibility that you really already had a mother before you were conceived and that to me that would be a divine feminine so yes be nice to your mother next ah now we're getting down to something that's not easy to see or read from where you are. So I'm going to turn these lights off for a moment. It's not necessary to read it, but this is what, um, this is what my invitation to you is about. We're going to do um, four different types of programs. And if you want, we're going to engage people here and internationally into making some basic standards of measurement. For the optometrist, boy, I think one of the greatest opportunities is to be able to have baseline measurements, take people through exercises, three months, six months, a year, take the measurements again, see if there is a change or not. The goal is, is how to do this. So the first phase of this is Um, how to utilize the function of nature to increase the circulation of one's own circuits. Let me try that again. Feels good to go outside, be in the trees. We notice it, there's a whole bunch of body of knowledge, scientific information about what happens to the body in nature. I'm suggesting, based on what I understand about the circuits, how to circulate more of that life force between you and the experiences in nature, and how to be able to increase that inside your physical body. And I learned this primarily because I lived alone most of the time, up to about the age of 30, spent a lot of time alone. And I found it much easier to relate to trees and people. Sorry, it's just the way it is until eventually that was really nice. Relating to people is the second one. So you can kind of start with cycles of nature and I have some specific exercises that I would give you to experiment with and you can do it or not do it. You'll either find it works for you or it doesn't. So I'm got a program about the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom and how they interface together, how they circulate, how they support one to the other. And as you know, we're having a global animal kingdom event. Yes, that's what the pandemic is to me, a global animal kingdom event. And it's there as an automatic, perfect feedback, for how we as individuals collectively and otherwise, we're treating each other, our neighborhood, our community, our country, our global, our animal kingdom, our plant kingdom, we're actually in need of treating them all better. So we're being asked to re-examine on the smallest level through social distancing, come back down to your mother again, Well yes, it all comes down to examining father and mother belief systems, what you hold to be true, how you treat yourself on the most basic level, how you treat other people around you, and so on and so on. These are ever increasing diameters of inclusiveness. The smallest diameter is you, then your family, your community, your country, your culture, your race and so on. And it gets larger and larger. All it is is the number of people included in the largest level is pretty big. Oh by the way that means the unity of all living things which includes all those things that people consider as dead. Which to me means our ancestors. We're all involved in something together and so the program starts with Um, how to be able to integrate more with nature. And if you choose to, some measurements, some friends of mine are going to use blood because they're medical doctors. So they're going to measure triglycerides and insulin to see how that changes numerically. And so we're going to do this one and I'll guide you through how to do it, give you exercises, audio tapes, whatever else. The second one now, well, sorry, but that's about you. That's about you examining you using your iris, your birth order, your family tree, your physical symptoms, the history of symptoms in your family. So this is a how to be harmonized within this by looking at the circuits of where things don't work well. Give me just about any symptom, not a name, disease. Yes, I'm, I'm... I'm familiar with name diseases because I hear a lot of them in different cultures and countries, but give me a collection of symptoms and I'll tell you which one of the circuits is not working. So the the opportunity to examine where these circuits are not working gives you the opportunity to begin to desire to want to move them. Now part of this process involves the theory that you are 100% responsible for everything that's happening to you, your body, your experience, your your relationship attraction, your career, your health, your vitality, it all has to do with how well you are either receiving or blocking or transmitting feelings. So that's why that one's so important. Then I'm going to suggest to you that the Uh, different times of the year. Winter has a different effect than spring. Summer has a different effect than autumn. And you just went through the four major circuits of your family tree. Winter is a specific part of your family tree. Spring is another part. Summer is another part. Autumn is another part. Just the understanding of where you are in the circuitry. For example, in the spring, we're very much coming up. The day length is coming up, flowers are coming up. The ascending, what we call fire, or in Chinese medicine, the yang is coming up. And right at June 20th this year, it goes from the sun being at its peak and now it's going down into the women. Uh, Very important to get familiar with the women. Why? Because as the sun starts going down in its day length, it's accessing the three grandmothers from the father's side of the family. What happens in July, generally? Food, social gatherings, did I mention food? There's lots of abundance of things out there. Everything's happening. What happens in August? More of that, different kinds of foods now starts arriving More melons or nuts or things arriving like that. So different things happen in August that didn't happen in July. Different things happen in August over to September where you have an equinox, which simply means the masculine and feminine forces in the body are momentarily equalized as the sun passes over the equator. Now, wait, 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 that's an opportunity. There's about a 90-minute window of exactly when the equinox is happening for your location on Earth, because it's not the same everywhere. And in those 90 minutes, nature has given us the opportunity to integrate the equilibrium of masculine and feminine during that season. So I'm suggesting that that might be kind of fun to do. And then if you really like fun, then that's the fourth category, which is where you're deciding that you want to do that with somebody that you actually like, or you'd like to get to know. So we're going to have a a group of people, and it's not a dating list, of people who are in the Southern Hemisphere who want to choose you, relate to you at the time of the equinox, so that you can share and do the one thing that is most important. Choose to share with someone else. And the fraternal experience of that is when two people agree to share, to give and receive without attachment, without judgment, without criticism, the circulation of life force between two people is the capacity to raise your degree of love. So, If you've got a few friends in the Southern Hemisphere, cool. If you don't, well, I have a bunch. Because I've been to Australia 26 times, South America at least 40 times, and I don't even like traveling. So my suggestion is, these are the four programs we're going to offer. Each one of them is going to have booklets, like a journal. You can keep a record, things that you can do. All we're gonna ask you is after a three month period is just kind of be honest with this about how much did you actually do or not? If you were able to follow the program and you're able to be able to have a follow up measurement of some kind, we would like to consolidate the information and make it observable to anybody else. You don't have to contribute your name, just the fact that you did something. And if you get really, really bold, then I'm going to suggest there's just two simple things to do. I think I have the next one we? Ah, well, it's something like this. The one on the left is the history of how you respond. Meaning on the left here is father's family and there's all these circuits. Yes, they have lines and threads, literally the life force has lines and threads. I'm not talking woo-woo stuff, I'm talking reality. There's actually circuits of lines and threads and they arrive. The ones on your father's side of the family are designed to hold it permanently. The ones on your mother's side are the ones that you have the opportunity to utilize and create something new. So the ones on the desire to grow side is what do you aspire to become? And then how can you utilize that knowledge to help you pass through some of the blockages that are already there on your mother's side of the family so that you can aspire to create something healthy for the future. Why is that so important? Because if you have a soul-based emotional experience of it, this side will remember it forever. What I just said, change your degree, that one will duplicate it for you. That's why it's so significant. It's the power to remember and replicate it for you automatically, so you don't have to do it again. This over here is not the devil, it's not the problem, it's a mechanism that we work with until it gets an additional programming of what to do different than it's been doing before. This one is learning how to activate specific sequences of feelings in such a way that the other one will accept it. The other one will not accept your analysis, your thinking, but it will accept your emotional response. So if you've had an emotional response in this moment, I have some suggestions for you you might just consider doing one thing. In the middle of a feeling, no matter whether it's a law of attraction event or one that you access by your own creation, I suggest you go, I'm having a feeling. I sincerely want to know the truth about this feeling and every feeling like this I've ever denied. It's something like that. And by the way, there are several different phrases you can use. Whenever you find yourself having a feeling or not having a feeling, like you're passing through a stage of numbness, depression, despair, whatever, you turn to meet this feeling and you own it that it's your feeling to have and you simply say something like, I sincerely want to know the truth about this feeling and every feeling like this I've ever denied now the advantage of that is it breaks up one of these large ones and it starts giving you cascades of little pieces what do i mean by that if you start to sincerely desire to want to grow in a new way and a new trigger arrives that is the time to take that trigger rather than to push it back and say you ran into me you hit me you Turn it around, bring it back, circle it. Rather than push it back, saying, you idiot, you did it wrong. You're a Republican. You're a Democrat. No, you're a this and this. Thank you for bringing this feeling, every feeling like this I've ever denied, I sincerely want to feel the truth about it. And then you can measure your motive and your intention for doing so. The sincerity and the motive and the intention, you will keep changing. Now, I'm suggesting there are ways to do that with trees, which are pretty easy. I'm suggesting that you might start with the mineral kingdom. And then you you know that if people were voting three trillion trees, by the way, can all be wrong. Because they're doing the same thing you're doing. They're doing... Xyle them up and flow them down. Xyle them up and flow them down. Xyle them up and flow them down. Right? Three trillion of them, more or less, they're doing the same thing. Well, oh, by the way, all the blades of grass, xyle them up, flow them down, set them up, flow them down. <laughs> they're doing the same thing. They can't all be wrong, right? So if you want to use something in nature to facilitate that, then it helps to know how that circulates to you because as much as you'd like to have them just automatically give it to you, they're not programmed to automatically give it to you. They could if you wanted to. Now the animal kingdom, well that's a whole different story because animals that have central nervous system and brain functions, well they're different than minerals and trees and by the way how we treat the animal kingdom is well fairly horrific and that one day we will learn to have greater compassion and the sense of unity so hopefully that's something we'll do and the desire to be able to do that so this is an overview of what we're offering So you know that there are four different programs that are coming up and we are uh, in the beta testing with one of the programs now with a group of people internationally. And we'll start a program by the 1st of September and on the three weeks before the Equinox, I urge you to be engaged in circulating a few things. And then we'll start a three year program on that Equinox for being able to go through three different years. Why? Did you notice that three months makes a season? You know what happens when you have uh, three sets of three combined together? Mm, It's called gestation. And there's a pattern of things that happen at three, between three and four. And so I'm suggesting that I personally have an aspiration to the holy grail of changing the iris. have not been able to do it. I'd like to be able to photograph it. I still don't believe it's gonna happen, but maybe that's something I have to process about my feelings about that. Phew. I think we have, ah, this is a piece of graphics. You can't quite see my relatives. Right down here. By the way, I found out that 100% of my ancestry was, well, still down here somewhere. And these, by the way, are rungs on the ladder. And the ladder is quite specific, very numerical. You can call them seers, if you want, or degrees of capacity. You can call them chakras, if you want. But the one right here at the green level, which is having an earthquake, Earthquakes are good it's the right time We're good on that Let's come over here If you could do this Do that Do that Holy moly Is that Hey We got nine minutes to go Wow, we can get a lot done in nine minutes. That
2: was
1: really good. So, nice to not meet any of you. We did our social distancing here. Congratulations on your social distancing. Um, is there anybody out there that does have a specific question about the overall goal or direction? Or why you might want to be involved or not want to be involved. I saw about half of them leave already, so no, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Questions from anyone?
3: I have a question about the circuitry and you know the feelings. Do you need to actually know a lot of specifics about the feelings and rationalize it, or are you just and you know rationally, or can you just be? changing things by feeling them?
1: Um, Yes to all of that. Okay. Because um, what you do will determine the outcome of your experiences and everything has a result. But do you have to know the relationship between your mother and her mother? Right. No. Your sincere desire to want to grow will start to bring it to you automatically in emotional experiences. But it helps if you have your mother and you go, mom, I'd really like to know in your childhood, in your childhood, how did you really feel about your mother? And how did your mother feel about her mother? And then some of the social emotional history gives both of you the opportunity to circulate more, trust each other, have transparency, have authenticity, because uh, most people over 50 are gonna lie to you anyway. why? I mean, most older people will deny and say, no, no, everything's fine. You know, my, my mom, my dad, no, no, they're good. They're, we had a great family life and they did their best. And they typically won't really tell you what their actual feelings were because a lot of them don't even know what their childhood feelings were really about with their mother or their father. So you don't really need to know it, but it's nice to know. My entire family tree was in the Civil War on the side of the South. And this is the reason why I could never be in a room where there was a Civil War movie on. I'd have to run out of the room. It's nice to be able to know some of the facts. So I'd say, yes, go ahead and find all the facts you can. But, you know, circulate and talk to them. You can talk to your grandfather about his relationships to his parents. For example, your mother's father, his relationship to his mother is your pineal and your skin and your circadian rhythm. So if you have night terror experiences, you better look at the relationship between your grandfather and his mother. But if you already have a desire to want to grow, it's automatically going to bring exactly your sequence to you that nobody else has. All of this propelled by a single pinpoint. Remember how I said all of the positions of the iris are doing one thing? Wouldn't it be nice to do the one thing? The sincere desire to want to feel and the sincere desire to want to grow. Consciously used, sincerely maintained, and motivated for a purpose of something higher will get you results. And the results will be, it will automatically bring you hundreds of little threads of emotions for you to process all day long. Now it helps during the day if you take 10 seconds out of an hour. Oh, by the way, I did measure this, if you take 10 seconds out of an hour, and you appreciate the month you're in. Let's see, July, Now, give you a map. What are the primary feelings about July? What gland, what organ, what body system? Yes, it's your father's mother. What a great month to go talk to your father's mother, or your father about his mother, Or your grandmother about her parents. It's a wonderful season to deal with the root system of the pelvic cavity. Yes, your father's mother is the root system of the pelvic cavity. She's right down there at number one. Number one happens to be, by the way, in the mineral kingdom, bones. In bones mineral kingdom, number one girl, rock, mountain, matriarch, elephant, whale. Well, anyway, there's a whole bunch of symbols for July. If you took just 10 seconds in an hour and you go, ah, really want to build my feelings for this part of me. I really want to know that part of me that is associated with my identity, my ability to be a person, my I am, if you want to call it that, my uniqueness as an individual. And if you just wanted to shout to the rest of the world, I just want to be me. Uh, July's a good month. 10 seconds in an hour. Now, if you link three hours in a row, well, something is going to start to circulate. Now, if you were to do that, if you were really crazy, you were gonna do that all day long for a month, 10 seconds, don't do it at night, it will be taken care of, mind. it just happens automatically at night. But if you did three months in a row of 10 seconds associated with the month, and could you see that there is a sunrise and a sunset every day, and there is a nighttime and a daytime, and there is a winter and a spring and a summer and an autumn every day, And it just happens to be circulating all the time. Now you're going to be doing what growth is from inside out. You're choosing to want to feel. And then you know what happens when you choose to want to feel. The other one's going to go, oh, no, you don't. You have all these old addictions and compulsions and stop right there. Well, maybe it's just me that has not. It happens, right? So how do you move through it using nature as a lever? Harmony with nature will use the harmony of the Sun, sunset, sunrise, all the seasons of the year, designed because they're perfect. Did you know the exact location of the moon is known millions of years in the future? And every known eclipse is known for millions of years. We're surrounded in a vessel of perfection, waiting for us to decide to want to integrate our physical bodies, our emotional bodies, and our souls into that same perfection. And there has to be something smaller than a pinpoint. I'll give it a word. Humility. There's the active principle of humility called aspiration. There's a passive principle called the desire to want to feel and receive. So this is an overview of the program. For those of you who want to participate, we'd like you to get measurements, keep your blood work if you have it, and then go back after a year and measure it again and see if there's a number that's better or worse. And then report that. And if you want to have some Brazilian friends, I have a whole bunch, that they love to play with Americans.
0: Well, thank you, Dennis. Do you
1: have anything to... Uh,
0: the only thing that I will add is, I know this could possibly be overwhelming because there's so many pieces that we're um, incorporating, but um, it's a pretty comprehensive program where there's, just to summarize, harmonizing with nature, then taking personal responsibility through using information from the iris, birth order, uh, family tree dynamics, and making changes in your life. Then we have the cycles and seasons, which is just what he was talking about, how we actually can um, attune to this times of day, times of the year and those seasons, and then finally the global friends and connecting with people across the globe. So this was our introduction. And as you notice, we have another one scheduled in two weeks, and we're gonna continue to do these workshops, hopefully twice a month. And each one will start to explore each of these concepts a bit further. And then um, I'll also start putting together uh, workshops more for professionals that are interested in learning more about the Iris birth order and how to incorporate it into practice, whether it's an optometry practice, chiropractic practice, you know energy work practice. Um, and then for those that want to take some of the other um, programs a little bit more seriously and want to join either groups, we'll have evening courses as well. And then we would like to work with practitioners that wanna be sponsors in local areas, and then we could train them to learn these systems and utilize them. As many of you know, for a dozen years, I've been using parts of this very simply and easily as part of my optometry practice. And there's so much that you can do with this information, certainly for therapists, healers, just even knowing the person on a level that they um, might not even be aware of themselves and mirroring that back will actually put them on that healing path. So really our main goal is for um, all of us to be able to tap into who we are as individuals and be able to expand, grow, be able to respond compassionately and eventually be of service to others, so. We thank all of you for attending and for giving us your time on a Saturday afternoon. And we look forward to sharing more with all of you. So thank you.
2: Thanks, Wendy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Andy. Thank
2: you, Denny. Thank you, Danny. Yeah.
0: Thank you thank everybody. You yeah, it was great. Yeah, thanks.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. Let's